news this evening is speculation concerning the real facts behind the Department of Health announcement about a radioactive spill supposed to have occurred yesterday at the state nuclear plant. You know what you're thinking. Mine's bigger than yours, right? It's not fair. Throw it away. All right? Tons of popcorn there. Yeah. And all you gotta do is go climb a tree to go eat it. <laughs> it was a night like any other night. Then something happened. Oh, good lord. It's. It's unbelievable. It's. It's horrible. Welcome to the Really Awful Movies Podcast, a celebration of low-budget cinema. The sleep of reason gives birth to monsters. Hi, my name's Chris, and along with Jeff, we're bringing you the very best and worst of horror, sci-fi, post-apocalyptic wasteland, kung fu, and women in prison movies from the 1960s to today. Check us out at reallyawfulmovies.com, part of the Crypt TV family. This motherfucker deserves to die! He's mine! You got balls of steel, Stone. You want to prospect with the Brotherhood? I say no way. This is either going to be the biggest pork chop I ever ate, or my bulldozer. This is fucking bullshit. What do you say? What's in it for me? Colors, man! Gut! This may be a rag to the walking dead out there, but this is my flag, my cross, my church, and these colors don't run. If they hit the ground even in a fight, I will peel your skin off with a knife dipped in shit. From a downtown our headquarters, here's episode 155, 1991's Stone Cold. Now, not to be confused with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Here is the ex-football star and would-be action hero, uh, never meant to be, a la Howie Long, Brian Bosworth. Also never meant to be a football star either, really. No, no. Howie Long like an... was in the Hall of Fame, one of the greatest of all time. Bosworth, two or three years, he was done. Didn't he have some sort of like glorious flame-out? Like he was meant to be... Because I'm, I'm not familiar with Bos is, as a football player. I'm familiar with him as a persona. I know he was this loud, brash, iconoclastic, uh, very egotistical player. Yes, And yeah. he was meant to be, though, the next big thing, the next big prospect, the next superstar. And didn't he only like play for a season or two? Or? Uh, I think it was two to three. Mm-hmm. His shoulder blew out, and that was it. One of the greatest college players of all time mm-hmm. went into the league, infamously flew to team practices via helicopter, did not endear himself as a result to his teammates. But I think he maybe wanted to be a Hollywood star more than he wanted to be on the gridiron. Well, I so, mean, he was one of these guys. I mean, you mentioned he flew into practice in a helicopter, a private helicopter. I think he was one of these guys. He had a gigantic ego. Mm. And I think he was like Icarus. I mean, he kind of flew a little close to the sun. Yeah. Close to the sun <laughs> with his ego. And he came plummeting down. And speaking of plummeting, <laughs> we podcasted a movie way back when starring Brian Bosworth called Virus. And this was when he was he had plummeted. He was... He was 
splat on Terra Firma. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, see, like I said before, not ever seeing this guy on the gridiron, but just knowing of his persona, knowing of his larger than life, you know, I mean, because he sort of had that sort of WWF sort of with the ridiculous haircut and uh, sort of like this <laughs> pompadour blonde mullet, like, like a mullet. A beaver pelt. <laughs> beaver pelt, yeah. Yeah, just big, roided up guy. And when I saw him in Virus, low key, tepid, filmed in Vancouver action film, and he just looked like a man who uh, was a shell of his former self. Yeah. He, his hairstyle was pretty business casual. <laughs> and I would say, you know, his physique was, was fairly unimpressive. He never took off his shirt, he just was there. And. So I, I was excited to watch this movie starring this this Brian Bosworth guy, you know, because I love seeing sports heroes totally out of their depths, you know, trying yeah. to become something else, like a movie star. Uh, Firestorm with Howie Long was, yeah. was ridiculously glorious. And I was expecting the same out of Virus. And there was another movie that we tried to podcast called One Tough Bastard. And that was another Boz flick where, yet again, he didn't have that Boz persona. He was more... Yeah, he was sort of subdued, and he was uh, he was chilling with like uh, ghetto kids and high fiving them and buying them McDonald's and that. He was very kind of a nice guy. And here, like this is but, him at his full badass. Well, that's the whole thing. So what made that? But the one thing that made One Tough Bastard a decent watch. First of all, one of the um, co-stars was not MC Hammer, but yeah. Hammer because he was going through his gangster rap phase that time. Because how can you go from wearing parachute pants and <laughs> you know? dancing around to, uh, you can't touch this, mm. to a, a gangster rapper, but Hammer tried, God bless him. Mm. And there was another character in there, the um, the antagonist. You... Zavak. Oh, yes. he, yeah, yeah. He, he, looked like, uh, yeah. he looked like the lead singer of Cheap Trick. Well, so in this movie, so this was 1991. Yeah, Chris, I'm going to ask you, like, when, when he made this movie, so this came out in 91, he obviously probably filmed it in 90, was he... Still playing football at this point, or was this after his career had ended because of his I injury? think probably in the midst of it, he probably saw the writing on the wall with his uh, injuries, but mm. I remember like, distinctly reading his book as a, as a kid, and it was called The Boss, and it had him with his There's no Brock Lesnar hairdo, okay, with his wraparound yeah. like, uh, blue shades, mm. and I, I think I got it from the library, and I read about his, his pigskin tales, and it was pretty rough. Like He used to talk, I think he talked about being in the bottom of the pile, and he would insert his finger into the ear hole of the football helmet and rip at guys earrings and he said it was that's so dirty and so like he was a nasty mean sob and he now he found he was indeed and now <laughs> yeah, well, he found jesus and uh subsequently i guess he's uh, got a very much more lovable persona and he's appeared in these ford commercials i think with bo jackson mm -hmm. because this is getting way too much into sports but bo jackson ran him over on the football field, he was a running back, played two sports. Two sport athlete, of course. He yeah. ran over Bosworth, and people were mocking him mercilessly, and that I think contributed to his really the the end of his uh, stint playing for the Seahawks because it was a little bit embarrassing. When you watch it now, it just seemed like another play. But anyway, he I think he always had it in his eyes behind those blue shades to, I guess, uh, yeah, court no Lala one Land. Knows what it's like to be the boss <laughs> yeah. oh, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> see, you're saying all these things, and I just want to say, because you also say he found Jesus, so mm -hmm. he's one of these, uh, like, sort of like Kirk Cameron's characters that... Uh, Which is weird, is lots of football players have already found Jesus, and they don't generally do it afterward, like, it's a bizarre sport where lots of them pray after a game, mm -hmm. and they hold him, anyway. Well, of course, Tim Tebow is... Uh, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. But that, I always wanted that phrase hilarious, they found Jesus, so I, like, just walk, 
uh, <laughs> walk into the grocery store and then look in the corner and there was Jesus. Yeah, if the, someone put, a, put an APB out on Jesus. Yeah, well, there, someone... <laughs> yeah. Oh, I found Jesus. Yeah, there's Jesus in the produce aisle. Mm. I found him. There you go. You know, Dr. Livingston, I presume? Yes. No. You know, <laughs> no. Jesus. Our Lord and Savior. <laughs> so anyway, so, okay, so let's get back to this ridiculous movie. So I had not seen this movie before, but... I was expecting to see the real Boz, and thankfully I got the real Boz. Because when, when this movie opens, it reminded me a lot of Cobra, the wonderful Sylvester Stallone vehicle which he podcasted many moons ago. Mm. In the sense that it was a grocery store, and this grocery store is being held up by a bunch of goons. And these goons were completely over the top. They were they must they must have been like amphetamines or something. Yeah. And they're like, I love it, we'll take this place down. And they're happens to be in the store at the time. Now, I don't know if he was there coincidentally or if he was called in. I believe he was there coincidentally because yeah. he was he was pushing yeah, a cart. Yeah, cart, yeah. And they didn't really show what was in the cart, but I, you know, I, I consume there's lots and lots of... Lots uh, of steak. Lots, <laughs> of, lots of protein, you know, but he's there shopping and you got these idiots trying to hold up the place and just like Cobra, he even utilizes a canned beverage distraction <laughs> yeah. where he opens up a canned beverage throws it down that causes a bit of a yeah I, I don't distraction know, I say, yeah. yeah I was going to say the word kerfuffle I've been yeah. watching, I watch a lot of Judge Judy yeah, yeah. That word all the time. <laughs> and that causes him to be to get the blip on the attackers mm. to get the, to one up them and but the one thing I didn't uh, see coming was that by throwing this canned beverage into an aisle the chief idiot, the chief robber, would slip on the bed. Yeah, I guess he didn't see that one coming either. He, he goes flying he right into some flying. display. Yeah, 20 feet into the display. <laughs> Amazing. Hilarious. And we got, and we got to talk, by the way, the boss looked when we, where we first meet him. Oh, po- post-apocalyptic uh, trench coat uh, warrior with, and again, I, I likened his uh, mullet hairdo to a, a beaver pelt. Also has <laughs> a actual pelt uh, affixed to his shoulder, which looked like a, some form of skunk. And if this guy, I don't know what police force would hire a guy with this kind of hairdo, but mm-hmm. and apparently he's run afoul of his, I guess, I think this is somewhere in Mississippi, wherever it is, and he's run afoul of them, and he's on... Tender hooks, like he's, because, yeah, he's he could be suspended at any time. He's a rogue cop. He's a rogue. He's, he's Serpico, except he's, without the acting. He's full of roguiness. Mm-hmm. At that point, he had just gotten off suspension, <laughs> and he's about to be suspended again because of whatever he did to. It's uh, just like McGarnacle from uh, from The Simpsons. Damn you, McGarnacle! <laughs> Yeah, never mind. Who's McGarnacle? Yeah, you know, the, the rogue cop on The Simpsons. The show Homer Simpson watches. Oh, okay. McGarnacle. Yeah, I was thinking Big Bane. But oh, okay, no, yeah. It's very, a lot of overlap, too. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, he's he, he's chastised by a superior. <laughs> you know, you... Uh, you uh, by the book, against, black guy. You know, you yeah. always have to have one of those. And mm-hmm. You went against protocol, blah, 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 blah. And, of course, he's got a... Other than the rigor, you know, stupid catchphrase, <laughs> clean up on aisle four. <laughs> and that's the end of that. And then we're meant to assume that... He's suspended again. Now, that goofy opening really belies the tone. There's a lot of, like, tonal uh, discord in this movie. Shifts, yeah. Because it really belies sort of, like, the grittiness of the antagonist of these movies because... Of this movie because it's a biker gang. It's basically Boz versus the bikers. And one thing I gotta say I appreciate about Stone Cold is that it features a very accurate depiction of a biker gang. I'm so used to seeing these movies where 
you have a, a gang of toughs and there's this rag yeah, pack. Multiracial multi UN. Multiracial Yeah, it yeah. looks like they've been doing Pilates, not not push ups. They're not tough. Mm-hmm. Not only that, they're not tough and not intimidating. They're multicolored, you know. They're not even particularly tall. Yeah, and they just look like these ridiculous uh, villains have some sort of Marvel comic, but in this one, these guys, and this is the Brotherhood, um, you know, which is a very, you know, sort of has intimations of, like, you know, racial overtones. Which bikers obviously do, because yeah. they don't admit certain, well, they're racially segregated, like prison, but, yeah, and... And they, they, they only favor the Confederate flag, yeah, but yeah. they on their shirts, and they're hideout, what have mm. you, and the Brotherhood, they're a pretty vicious group of motherfuckers. I mean, first of all, during the opening credits proper, we see them blowing away a man in the cloth, and then the the guy, the trigger, his name is, uh, you gotta love these names, Trouble Owens, mm. he is then, of course, put on trial, and uh, he's given a very lenient sentence of 45 years by the judge. <laughs> Otherwise known as throwing the book at him in Canada. Yeah, lenient by U.S. standards where they give, like, sentences so long, like, the sun could burn out. It's like, oh, I sentence you to 700 years. But again, their jurisprudence is totally different. But And so a congressman has them in his sights, and he wants to put an end to these guys. Well, and he, he really, so he has yeah. these ads, and he says, I am going to go after, I'm going to do whatever it takes. His name is Brett Whipperton or something. It sounds like a... Bodice ripper, like a romance star, but yeah, he's Grand the guy. Thing, okay, yeah, yeah, he's the guy. Test. He's the Rudy Giuliani no, of the shitty exactly. movie. Yeah, gonna he's going to clean the. Yeah, he's going to no clean nonsense. the streets. I'm going to go after you, damn bikers. <laughs> yeah, and I will not rest until that lenient 45 year sentence is converted into <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> into 800 years. Yeah, yeah exactly. you got to laugh as a Canadian. Um, yeah. Now. They don't take kindly to the, one of their uh, numbers being sentenced to 45 years. And so they, they, it's a judge. And you, you see him, know, it's his day off, he wants a day of leisure, he goes out on his boat, kaboom, the thing blows sky high. Hmm. And this apparently is their MO. This is what they're doing, is that they're blowing away... Judges. It's like judges. the mafia in Sicily yeah, exactly. or something. Yeah. And so this this cannot be. The, the FBI has got to be on this thing. And they decide to enlist one... Um, Joe Huff, that is, of course, Boz. And they want him to, because he is now yet again suspended, <laughs> and they want him to go undercover as a biker. Yeah, and they're they're leaning on him with the leverage of, we're going to suspend you further and without pay and all this mm. stuff if you don't undertake this dangerous mission. Which is ridiculous, too, when you think about it. What, is there nothing else this guy could do for a living? Like, if someone approached you with, like, oh, you know, your job or else, it's like, oh, I can find another job, okay, really. Well, first of all, now <laughs> one thing I want to say, when you mentioned uh, reading Bosworth's uh, book, his biography, uh, his autobiography. Yes, indeed, yeah. Back, well, I probably mean, with and then someone else I was just saying, there's no way that that book wasn't ghostwritten, because, uh, you know, <laughs> or, you know, but... Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I cannot, this is no Faulkner, you know? Mm. And number one. Number two, uh, is there anything else he could do? Looking the way he does, the ridiculous <laughs> hairstyle... Friends, that, forensic accountant? I guess he could, uh, inner, inner city uh, kindergarten teacher? I don't know. Well, he, could, hey, he could have done anything. You he know? could have been a bouncer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so they, they, they come to his... With an offer he can't refuse. ...condominium. And a lot, you know, again, with, with these action heroes in, like, the, in the early 90s, they always have to have some sort of quirks. And again, this movie's totally off because we have these... Some really violent scenes with this this biker gang, this pretty much, pretty much Aryan biker gang. Oh yeah, yeah. And then you have this ridiculous uh, Bosworth, and we see him, and he's making this 
smoothie beverage, and he's putting all these disgusting ingredients in it, and we're meant to assume that it's for him, but really it's to feed his pet, which is this gigantic monitor lizard. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they, they're trying to inject humor in the movie, huh. and the humor completely falls flat. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. you have this FBI partner, this guy named Lance. Yeah, he's a super square. And he's, he's a super square, he's a hypochondriac, He's a germaphobe, etc. Yeah, and a wimp. Yeah, they, they try to play that for laughs, but it, it just never really goes anywhere. Yeah. But yeah, they, they lean on this guy. And they say, okay, well, right now you're threat, you're suspended for three weeks without pay. How about uh, sorry, you're suspended for three weeks with pay. How about Nine three years without or whatever? Pay? Yeah. <laughs> and so they, they get this guy to uh, go undercover and to sort of worm his way into this gang, and as a prospect. Now you're. A watcher of the show Sons of Anarchy. Uh, it I, was. It, not a good show. Mm -hmm. uh, it was for a few seasons. People have noted the parallels between it and Hamlet, which I think is really far-fetched. Okay, there's the dad, maybe Claudius, and the buddy Polonius, but that's really crap. Is that the wrong commentary? It's, yeah, but I mean, that's utter crap. But for the most part, it depicts, and we're fairly familiar with it up here in Canada, because they've been at war with one another and bombing each other for 20 years. But, yeah, the how you get in is you become a prospect. Who's, who's been uh, bombing each other? Oh, the Hell's Angels in, like, Quebec, where they mm -hmm. bomb cafes and everything. But in order to, in case, this is for our, all our listeners who are interested in hearing some uh, job advice from us. Okay, here we go. If you want to become a member... Two guys who are attending the same <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, free advice here. If you want to become a member of a Outlaw Biker Club, you have to hang around with them. It's called a hang-around, I believe. Someone who hangs around with them, of course, as the name implies. And then you've got to do their bidding for several years until you gain their trust. Then you become a prospect. And then... They have some weird ritual that they keep very secret. Some say they beat the living bejesus out of you, and then you become a patched-over member, and they give you a patch. Now, Boz is trying to... Boz. Huff. Stone. Stone. <laughs> John is Stone he, he, is trying to become a member. And so, he has to get to the source. And Yeah, because he adopts a new persona. He's no yes. longer Joe Huff. He's now... John Stone, Stone, which is similarly, yeah, similar, and yeah, oh, uh, yeah, it's the double entendre. Mm -hmm. And speaking of entendres, where do bikers like to hang out? Strip clubs. So he heads over to the triple entendre, tit for tat, mm -hmm. uh, which is a fantastic ripper joint. He gets in there, shows just how formidable he is as a fighting force, and beats the living snot out of some people who ill-advisedly decide to shove around some of these biker guys. Well, yeah, because at this uh, establishment, this pure bar, where and this, is, this is a good scene. It sounds so up and up. This establishment. Us, yeah, indeed. <laughs> this, yeah. <laughs> it's also... Uh, this you know, trattoria. Sort of, in, in this boat. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. In this boat. They, it's also they, they sell speed or crank mm. or some sort of drug, and then there's some guys, and they, they don't like the quality of the... Uh, Probably they go, so they go back into the channel. <laughs> the strippers are selling the drugs on behalf of the bikers. Of course. Roughing up the strippers. So the strippers have to go in and fight. And Boz, <laughs> in order to uh, get... Because when he first walks in, like he's not accepted readily. I mean, there is a biker by the name of Ice H Hesley. Okay? Yeah. And he's played by the, uh, the wonderful, sometimes, William Forsythe. Yeah. Speaking of, oh, you mentioned Faulkner earlier. Like, mm -hmm. if you're named William Forsythe, that just sounds so debonair and so classy. It's like you would have a byline in The New Yorker. But this this guy has been a B-movie goon 
for decades, and we know him best from Firestorm as well as and viewers probably do from Boardwalk Empire, things to do in Denver when you're dead, which was terrible. Devils, yeah, he's always like he's got a gap between his teeth, like Letterman. He's a big, tough guy. Mm -hmm. He's just a great goon. And the boss or Stone, he wants him. He wants to make his way to the leader, and that leader is played by the wonderful Lance <laughs> Henriksen. And I get, I think this is why the the biker gang has such formidable gravitas on screen. Yeah, Lance yeah. Henriksen is always a treat. I mean, we've seen this guy in Pumpkinhead. We've seen this guy in Aliens. We've seen him in The Terminator, Near Dark, one of, the, one of my favorite vampire films of all For time. For sure. Catherine Bigelow's Near Dark. Yeah. And he plays, um, he's going you know, to kind of grizzle, long hair, bit mm. of a beard. Uh, he plays the leader of this gang, Keynes. And he has to first, I guess, get through uh, Ice Helsey to get through Keynes, but Helsey doesn't really trust him. And when he first looks at, at uh, Bosworth, big hulking idiot that he is he says uh, he, he quips that he looks like a grown up version of Bam Bam yeah he kind of does <laughs> he I mean, really does separate, yeah. separate line, but he kind of does I mean Bam Bam from the Flintstones I think it's hilarious because I mean yes he does ingratiate himself into the into the inner gang, workings of the gang yeah. somewhat because of he, he steps into this fray and you know the enemy of the enemy is my friend mm. he helps to fight off these idiots and so on so he gains a trust but it's always this tenuous trust He's the inside man, but he's never fully accepted. But nor should he be, because sartorially, he always <laughs> sticks out like a sore thumb. He never looks like he belongs in this game. Yeah, yeah. To this film's credit, the bikers look tough. They look like real bikers. Yeah, with the exception of maybe Gut, uh, who, who's a little bit of a reticent biker there who wants Is out. Is Gut the one who, uh, who's sort of like... He wants out, and he's well, kind of a he's smaller he's guy. really... He really takes a shine to. Uh, yeah, I well, couldn't get. I couldn't catch his name. Yeah. Uh, he takes a shine to uh, to Stone, hmm. and yeah, he doesn't like the direction that um, Chains is taking the gang because at first I guess it was just about you know the biking and the the road, the open road, I, and yeah. the brotherhood, and now he's taking it into this real sort of like doomsday sort of scenario, almost like Manson like because hmm. there is that sort of intimation because they keep talking about D Day. And they talk about the whip coming down, and you know, all like this, this, this almost this day of reckoning. Yeah, and, and their compound is just off the charts insane. Like, there's clubhouses in Toronto, the Hell's Angels, but this place has like barbed wire turrets, and machine gunners who guard this. It's like, how is that? How does that not violate some sort of Florida bylaw? And like, that's crazy. How does that place operate? And God is like, yeah, no, this is not what, it's for. This <laughs> yeah. is not what the Brotherhood's all about. First of all, when you're naming Brotherhood, I mean, you know, it's, it's never a good connotation to the word Brotherhood. So I don't know. I guess I just thought it was about, you know, a nice cruise down Route 66 yeah. as opposed to, you know... Well, similarly with the, well, with the old lady of, the, the, of Chains, uh, which is mm -hmm. the par biker parlance for a girlfriend. Like, she claimed she didn't know what she got into either. Mm -hmm. So, like, lady, you joined a one percenter biker club. They murder people. They... Human traffic, they do prostitution, like what? And then she's suddenly shocked by the levels of depravity that her boyfriend gets up to. Like, caveat emptor, buyer beware. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, what is her problem? Anyway, she'll come to prominence later as she's offered to Boz as a as a plaything uh, that he can avail himself of. Yeah. Like, because these, these, they're passed around yeah. like, like whatever. Like, what's I can't even think of a good analogy. They're passed around, They're like, passed around like a joint. Like a joint, yeah. No, that's exactly right, yeah. Um, yeah, so 
As so, Boz is the inside man. He's working with this FBI guy, Lance, who's supposed to be comic relief, but he's got no comedic value whatsoever. <laughs> but as I said before, his his fashion sense—he just looks ridiculous. Like in many ways, he's reminding me of. Like, at one point, he's wearing this green bandana, and he's wearing a leather vest, no shirt, and he just reminds me of like a more roided up Bret Michaels yeah. <laughs> compared to the really grizzled-looking. Ice and the really and the really grizzly looking Lance Henriksen or Chains, yeah, totally. He looks really off. He doesn't. He's big. He's tough, but he doesn't look intimidating in the least bit. No, you can smell him a mile away as an undercover cop. Like it's ridiculous. You can smell the bacon a mile away. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. So most of the movie is him trying to ingratiate himself into the gang, and the stakes keep getting raised because. This this Whipperton guy, he really wants to get tough, and he calls him the National Guard <laughs> to create roadblocks and <laughs> yeah, National yeah, Guard. literally roadblocks, yeah. like actually to to block this gang, like blocking off some bridge. And he says, "Well, this was one of the just all time terrible scenes in the movie where he says." And this is how do they have this jurisdiction? Okay, so many questions. How do they have this jurisdiction to be able to ask for people's ID on on the highway? Like, what is this? This is not a totalitarian state. And they say, can we see your papers? And then Lance Hendrickson, the Chains character, pulls out rolling papers, and he throws them in the National Guardman's face. And, cool and it's like, ooh, you want papers? But they just beat that thing to death. Like, yeah. that was, oh my God. And then they kidnap these guards, man. <laughs> lock them in a wooden cage and shoot them in cold blood. And yet again, God's like, this is brothers. This is and not yeah. what I set up yeah. for. And what they end up doing is taking his hand because he's a sadistic motherfucker, this yeah. James, and and stick into this rotor, into this uh, is that what you call it? the rotor that thing they put it in that that I, I didn't exactly see what it was some moving parts yeah, and it, it made mincemeat of this guy's hand and the th- another thing that you gory is all hell. Yeah, yeah, which, as you said, the tonal shifts in this thing are off the charts, mm-hmm. and that was pretty, although it was a cutaway, it was still pretty intense for a action movie. But, but there's a there's, case there's, at one point. There, there is another gang that we've got to talk about, because... The Mafia. Which, the Mafia, which always sort of befuddled me at the beginning of this, because this is supposed to be Mississippi, and I didn't realize, like, the Goomba reach of New Jersey cannoli-eating mafiosi extended to like the Gulf Coast. Like, this is absurd. Like, <laughs> ridiculous. They're in Mississippi and these guys are wearing suits with greasy hair and they were apparently working with the bikers. They, I guess, firebombed one of the biker hangouts because I guess they're trying to, they're battling with them yet working together and the one guy is blown to a pulp and he's in hospital and his face is completely blown up and burned and he's got this terrible, yeah. like, nasty, nasty scar, right at, like a C-shaped crescent scar right across his face. Mm-hmm. And they all visit him in the hospital, just a glorious scene, where they is, shove the doctors aside, yeah. and, like, ten bikers just go right in. And nobody calls the cops, of course. And this is a recurring motif, this, you know, being burned uh, because they're crisp and they've burned visage or not. Because later on, there's a case because uh, Ice is suspicious of Bosworth, and I think he, he gets wind that he's... Yeah, they have their their undercover. Yeah, so, they have their and, corrupt cops. They try and they they put a little background check on Huff slash Stone. They figure out he's got different names. But Chains at this point is still not like there's no the, the chain of command for Chains, so, really so to speak. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no at this point. But Ice and Stone are <laughs> in, involved. In, <laughs> Ice and 
Icing stones. You, you got to love so it. Yeah. Anyway, they're in this ridiculous chase on down the, down the highway, and ice goes flying in, headfirst into a vehicle, headfirst collision, and he is toast. He's done. Yeah, he's done. And the the funeral ritual for him is pretty disgusting too. Yeah, they they set him on. It's like a Viking funeral. Well, first, they set him on fire. Like, how be, did they get the body? But before they set him that too. Yes, indeed. How, so many questions. Does this happen? They on broad daylight on the freeway. Yeah. You would think you know the police first responders show up. You go to the corner. Yeah, like yeah. But no, instead they have his body on this pyre. Again, his, his burnt visage perched on his on his bike. And they say a few words about change. Sorry about ice. And then they, uh, then they, they stick him. a yeah. They stick a stogie in his mouth and they mm-hmm. set him aloft. What he had no? Did he have no next of kin who would have liked to attend his funeral? Hey man, he's no, <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. Skin. You can't just squirrel the body away from the, the highway and abscond with it and take it to your clubhouse. Like and the, and surely, the, like okay, never mind. And the other thing with the brotherhood too, GFBD. GFBD. That's a that's a tattoo that some of these members have, oh. including the the old lady that uh, she sort of uh, at one point becomes uh, the love interest of love interest of Stone, slash confidant yeah. of Stone, and it's you know God forgives brotherhood. Brotherhood does the yeah. So these colors don't run. That yeah. Oh my God. So ultimately, this is going to come down to the fact that the doomsday apocalyptic scenario of the brotherhood. Is going to come to some sort of head, and this, I believe, is happening at a, at a court when they're when this Brent Rip, Brent Whipperton guy is trying to resentence his lenient forty-five year uh, sentence. He's trying to resentence him to, I guess, to death. And not only do they want to take down that um, courthouse and take down this Whipperton, but they also want to yeah send a message. Take, and, yeah, yeah. So they say first the courthouse and the White House and this whole thing. And they enlist this guy. That- yeah, one of their one of their members is ex army, mm-hmm. and he has some ins with the, I guess the military procures some kind of helicopter, yeah. and they're his name no- is AWOL. That's the name. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And he obviously does not have a military issue haircut. He's got a long ponytail, so he's one of these tough guys. And I guess their plan is to. I think they were going to firebomb the state capitol from yeah. the chopper, and sure. of course, uh, I guess they were going to. Jeez, this is again very James Bond. Like you have, at one point they capture the hero, but instead of just killing him instantly because they have him captured, they decide to take him on this chopper and have him blow up the Capitol building. Like just kill well, the guy instantly because they actually strap a bomb to him and they're yeah. using him as like a <laughs> yeah. bomb. And yeah, then why? Just like, drop the bomb. Drop him into, yeah. into the courthouse and yeah. Just keep him like five of your best men. Mm-hmm. Keep him tied up and that's it. And do the other operation separately. Right. Because but who am I to instruct evil henchmen on their henchmen evil doings in their hen- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and their henchmenry? Yeah. yeah. Well, no, because I mean the convergence of events is that. His cover is now blown. They know that Stone is Huff. They know he's working for the FBI. Mm-hmm, yep. And at the same time, they want to carry out their whatever manifesto they want to do. Um, Chains smuggles. 
smuggles, yeah, a bunch of just high-end weaponry into the courthouse. How? Right. They have metal well, detectors. He Well, he's dressed as a priest. He's dressed, yeah, but but he, still, he, like he, what? You don't get checked in the metal detector if you're dressed as a padre? Yeah, he cuts his Come hair. On. He shaves oh, his beard. And, I know. <laughs> and then he goes to the metal detector, and, of course, it beeps. He pulls out his rosary and his cross. And oh, like, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> father, you know? First, was he even there? What was the point of a priest being there? Like, it, it doesn't matter. Because what's this going to give us? It's 20 minutes of glorious action with explosions of plenty. Brian Bosworth getting, you know, yeah. bruised, beaten, and bloody. Yeah, and leaping out of the helicopter through and somehow surviving, leaping into the, uh, through the skylight of this Capitol building, mm-hmm. and then eventually just single-handedly before his mates arrive, taking out every dirtnik biker that has descended upon this courthouse. Mm-hmm. So just a wild, a wild shootout. But then we have, this leads us to the piece de resonance of this film, and this film ran for, I don't know, about 92 minutes, yeah. and this <laughs> 30-second sequence. I mean, the film was entertaining, but this 30-second sequence made everything worth watching, Hmm. and that is Chopper versus Chopper. Because the bikers, of course, they're driving their motorcycles through the corridors of this. Yeah, as one does. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, how did did they get their choppers into the courthouse, into the uh, Capitol building? Maybe a freight elevator? (laughs) (laughs) And why would you either? Like, shouldn't your getaway vehicles be left on the outside so when you're done your courthouse business? You uh, anyway. You would think. You would think. And, of course, it's a neoclassical building with tons of steps. And how do you get a uh, a chopper out of the building to be able to drive away? and also, wouldn't you want something a little faster than a giant Harley Davidson to get away and something that conceals your identity? I could go on and on and on, but mm-hmm. again, I'm not the one devising this evil plan. This is a 90s <laughs> action movie. Yeah. And these sort of you know, rational questions have no place. Yeah, and again, the mono a mono. Yeah, so there's Chains, who his sergeant at arms has burned in a pyre. He's got his third in command now, who's got a bike. Mm-hmm. inside the ha- hallowed halls of justice and, and he says oh go get him or something mm-hmm. and Bosworth now is like a one man army and he's going he's walking through the hallways the quarters with this I don't know what was it like a missile launcher yeah. or some sort <laughs> yeah. of high grade weaponry and, and we find out that one, when one has designs on running over a guy with a machine gun while you're on a motorbike approaching him from a distance of 300 feet guy with the machine gun wins you would what? never have guessed. Well, well, so he, yeah, so he blows the guy away. It's a kingdom come. And it just so happens that the window, it's not all, like, there was, it's not that like, there was no pane of glass. Like, there was nothing to obscure this chopper, this motorcycle of flying. So as he shoots... Oh, I guess that is the getaway chopper for the higher-ups, uh, I guess. Who knows? Yeah, the, the chopper is sitting outside waiting... The well, motorbike. Okay, are we talking about the motorbike or the, uh, or the, the actual helicopter is sitting in wait to wait for the leader, I guess, to fly him to safety. The well, the motorbike, after the ride is shot out from under him, mm-hmm. skids along this marble floor, goes right out the window, and but that's it, it, where it, we get this confluence. It crashes <laughs> right into the helicopter. And they both explode in <laughs> Yeah, air. glorious fashion. Unbelievable. That's <laughs> when a helicopter air. blows up, that is amazing. It's always when a helicopter blows up. <laughs> but when you have a wayward motorcycle flying through a window, uh, a window that has absolutely no paint of glass or anything whatsoever, <laughs> hitting that chopper and both of them blowing up. Oh, I don't know great. what the physics are, the oh, cause, you know, the combustion. Everything blows up. Like in this movie, there's, there's like a motorbike collision with... Uh, I think a semi, and that's how ice meets his demise. That blows up. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
when I guess these mafiosi they hit a semi as well, that blows up. Like, does every collision end up with an in explosion this movie, in this movie? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Every you know, I forget the name of the character in SCTV, but it blew up. Blew real up real good. good. I really yeah. Appreciate this movie. <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, good prevails over evil, mm. and. One, another thing that I really, really appreciate about this movie is a final shot and the credits. Because you have this man, this cop, this hero, this rogue man of the law, you know, whether his name is Johan or Sam Stone. <laughs> John Stone. <laughs> and Monosyllabic. Oh, and don't forget, there's also the... Uh, we, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the action movie cliche about, you know, people being shot and falling over railings. Yeah, of course. Fall, oh, there's one guy that falls out of a... It's not just a chopper that goes out of a window. There's another um, member of the Brotherhood that, that falls out a window onto a cop car. you got to love people yeah. falling out of buildings onto vehicles. <laughs> At the end of the day, Boss is going to be validated. His, his uh, you know, against uh, the books methods is going to be validated. But the fact that... He, they managed to take out this nefarious gang. And at the very end of this movie, we see a bruised, beaten, and bloodied Boz, and there's all these cops and reporters, and then every, and, you know, all the FBI and National Guard, and they're all trying to make heads or tails of what went on, and he just walks Again, away. Again, they're very Cobra. Yeah, the media walk- descends on yeah. it. Yeah. And he just walks away. <laughs> yeah. And we don't even know where he's walking to. He's no. just walking, and the credits start rolling, and the ridiculous, you know, full heavy metal riff starts playing. <laughs> he's just walking. And see, the thing about movies, right, is that cool guys, they never look back. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Cool guys, tough guys, action heroes, they never look back. If they're walking away from an explosion, they never look back. Mm. Like, holy shit, there's an explosion behind you. <laughs> no, they just walk away. They always survive just by walking away. And at the end of this movie, he just walks away, and then it ends on a freeze frame of the boss, and that's it. And you know that when he made this movie, Brian Bogler thought, well, this is my launching pad to superstardom. Forget the gridiron. I am now going to be the next big Schwarzenegger or Stallone, or, you know, the new whippersnappers nipping at the heels, your Van Dams or Seagal's. But... This movie was sort of it didn't really do that. Yeah, well it didn't do so well, but but again, really hyper entertaining and uh, lean ninety minute runtime, no wasted time, tons of great fights, just action packed. Uh, again, as you said, an amazing depiction of these bikers. These guys were tough as nails. They really looked the part. The whole film looked the part. And whenever, whenever I see these bikers, I always think, as I'm always you know looking. At these films with my jaundiced critical eye, but I always, whenever I see bikers, I always think, "God, the smell must be ungodly." Like, I don't know, is that just me, or like must smell like the bottom of a gym bag? Like all these guys in leather in Florida, in Mississippi, it must reek to high heaven. <laughs> and there was actually a uh, there's a show on the History Channel where a guy infiltrated, I believe it was the Banditos, and he was he was an FBI guy, and he was talking about like how he got in and how they always have these. They, these hangers-on women and these old ladies. He said, the women they get, not much to look at. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're a bunch of meth heads and, you know, like crackheads and really the lifestyle. He, he, and he pointed it out too. It's like, they reek of beer, B.O., they're right, not meth heads. Meth they're really, they're you know, they're, they're, they're disgusting. And, yeah. and as the Sopranos depicted, like the life of an outlaw 
criminal. Like they have to worry about the knives coming out. They're at each other's throats constantly. So this brotherhood is incredibly ironic because there's always someone vying for the top position. It is not a means to a cozy retirement. Mm. Like this is not a good way to live. There's always someone and they end up either dead or in jail. There's no retirement plan for well, these kinds of things. It's pretty much death or glory for these yeah. guys, right? But I, I find it's hilarious because I don't know what it is. You always, whatever, whatever <laughs> movie we talk about, you always seem to, to, to bring in hygiene into it. And, you know, hygiene or, or sanitary conditions. I, I, I find that to be hilarious. Uh, yeah. Okay, do, do we want to delve into... Okay, uh, uh, sure, why not? What are they going to do, come after us? Uh, I had a night in a Queen Street bar, which is a major street in Toronto here, mm-hmm. and there were some Hells Angels bikers there as well. And i got to say, uh, for all their reputation as... Oh, they're just nice guys, as an ex-mayor of Toronto just said. They really aren't. But it was very... I felt very uncomfortable and... These guys were not to be messed with physically, and the guys had the wings on their neck, and I just I felt everyone in there, like the, and people naturally separated. They went into the back room, and it was weird. They're not and to I've be never, with, yeah. Yeah, for whatever you say, we're not going to, you know, besmirch their <laughs> name on this podcast. They seem like nice guys. Oh, yeah. I'm no, sure they're fine, they're but it was an interesting, in interesting... We love our Hells Angels. Yes. <laughs> Whether it's Hells Angels or Satan's Voice, you know. Yeah, they're all good. <laughs> Simpsons, what have you. But, uh, so what did we learn from this movie? Oh, my. Well, just, again, m- more off-the-charts gore than you would expect from films of this ilk. And there was a great scene where they're trying to... I guess there was some internecine squabble in Mississippi amongst the mafiosi and they side with one against the other they killed one of them and they put his head in a motorcycle helmet right so I thought this was great and then they go to some Goomba restaurant awesome scene, and, yeah. and and again where this restaurant would be in Mississippi that it would have you know leaning towers of pizza and have you know fantastic you know, cannelloni on the I'm menu sure or whatever. Maybe they do. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you go to Mississippi for the Italian restaurants, and they present a box on the table and say, "We've got a present for you." Now, anything that is like a foot tall and a foot wide that's presented to you by a bunch of gnarly, disgusting one percenter outlaw types, I'm not opening that at the restaurant or anywhere. Like, it could be a bomb. You know, after seeing Seven, nothing good shows up in a box. And sure enough, they lift the thing off and it's a helmet. And they go, oh, that's cool, but we don't ride because mm-hmm. they're Goombas and they wear suits. And I don't know what they drive around in. But And then Chain says, open it. And the guy opens the visor and it's one of the mafiosi head in there so that's what I learned it's like I learned that <laughs> the no, geographical reach and of the mafia is, is vast and nobody seems to really be even all that taken aback no they just seem, you know, even well, I guess when they've seen as much murder and but, carnage as they have even at the dinner in this, table in this Italian restaurant yeah. in Mississippi even, even the waiters are kind of like okay yeah, well, all right, yeah, another, another day, day at, uh, you know Frank's Pretoria here in Google, Mississippi yeah no I mean all I can say is I, I, what I learned is as far as I, I, Football players turn thespians. Um, Brian Bosworth is no O.J. Simpson. No, That's no Merle, Merle Olson. Merle, Merle Olson. No, Howie Long. Who was the guy that played the father on uh, Webster? He was a football player at one point, wasn't he? Jeez, um, I don't know. That's a great reference, though. Yeah, I, I just want to say he is, just because I want him to be, yeah. but I don't know. I'm pretty oh sure my he god! Is. Yeah, <laughs> so, what, what did you learn? 
Dick Buckus. Oh, of course. Well, yeah. no, that yeah. was not the Father Webster. But no, he but he, he was another father well. in another yeah. forgotten sitcom. Uh, yeah. You gotta love that name, man. <laughs> Dick Buckus. Yeah. I mean, I know this is that's really lowbrow humor. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. But and who would name somebody? <laughs> first of all, you got the last name Buttkiss. That's already bad enough. Okay, I'm gonna give uh, my son, whose last name just happens to be Buttkiss, oh, I'm gonna God. call him Dick. I mean, okay, there there is a football player of your whose last name was Colon, although that's Spanish for Cologne. Mm-hmm. Right, with probably a, one of those squiggly accent things over it. C O L O N. Parents, of course, they had to name the guy Harry. So, of course, it's Harry Colon. But no, it's, it's Harry Cologne. But still, again, it's not good. Mm-hmm. Butt kiss. Stay away from dicks. Like, just really, like. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, well, it's just not it's good. I it's this, not good. It's a good time to get, yeah. to, to get, to get her patented star yeah. rating. Stone Cold. I do believe that this film was the inspiration for Stone Cold Steve Austin to uh, adopt that moniker. He claims a, a different um, etymology for his for mm. that name, but I'm not going to go into that right now. I, I call bullshit on that story. You can Google it. I think that this. I think that Brian Bosworth actually influenced. The, the Texas Rattlesnake, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Steve Williams? Def- well, the, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because there was a, a wrestler, Dr. Death, Steve Williams. Yes. And then Steve Austin's real name is Steve Williams, so you, know, you can't have Steve, Steve Williams. Nope. But anyway, whatever. I mean, we can We can go another hour to talk about old school wrestling. Star rating. Oh, uh, I'm yeah. going to give this one. You know, it's, it's stupid. Yeah, well, it's, as a movie, again, you know. Yeah. As, I mean, like, the whole time I'm watching... This guy, this Sam Stone character, trying to John himself. Stone. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to ingratiate himself while looking like the fourth member of the you know, New Kids on the Block. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, one of the funky bunch. One yeah. Of my, you know, like, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You should be behind Marky Mark, you know, dancing <laughs> in step to good vibrations. And they look legit. They look tough. Yeah, yeah. So it's, but it's got some great explosions, it's got some great kills, some really ridiculous lines. Uh, I can't give it anything less than three and a half stars. Agreed. Yeah, I would even push it up to four. It's action-packed, glorious, incredible fun. Mm-hmm. And I feel bad for the boss that uh, although he seems to have come to terms with his goofy image and the headbands and the mullets, and he's poking a little bit of fun at himself with the Bo Jackson commercial. And there's actually a neat, I think, ESPN documentary on him. 15, 20 minutes, probably worth your time. Yeah, I believe just to it's see on Netflix, guy. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and just to see this poor guy who was so highly touted, and then he sort of had a little bit of a problem and flamed out, but still, like, just by virtue of just going to Hollywood, being in one of these movies, making it to the NFL, one in a million shot, good mm-hmm. for him, making movies, and he's finding whole, peace with yeah. his kids, good for him. Cool guy, cool movie. Cool name, Stone Cold. Yeah. Yeah, cool name and a cool site we have as well with uh, reviews, reallyawfulmovies.com. Of course, follow us on Twitter, awful underscore movies. It's just a name, people. Anyway, uh, and send us your suggestions for what we should be podcasting, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.